You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Tony Telecast from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano. And I'm Mo Brady. Welcome, listeners, to our miniseries about the Tonys, bringing you all the drama behind the drama of a theater season in Broadway history. In each podcast episode, we watch a telecast of the previous Tony Awards. Not only the performances, but the opening and the speeches to see how it reflects the season as a whole. So let's dive in and talk about the 1982 Tony Awards. The 36th Annual Tony Awards were held on June 6th, 1982, and hosted by Tony Randall. That season, there were a number of Broadway theaters being demolished to make way for the Marriott Marquis. So the theme of the telecast was to celebrate a great Broadway theater at the home of that night's celebration, the Imperial. Going into the awards ceremony, Dreamgirls led the pack with 13 nominations, followed closely by 12 nominations for the musical Nine. The original production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat was nominated for seven awards, while the fourth contender, Pump Boys and Dinettes, was nominated for just one. Best musical. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. All right. Only one musical was nominated for Best Revival, a Rex Harrison-led production of My Fair Lady. Mm. But aside from the telecast itself, what was happening at the time, Aaron? Uh, besides you being alive before me, Mo? But besides me being alive and you not being alive in 1982. <laughs> Plenty. The 1981-1982 season spread across President Ronald Reagan's first two years in office and saw the appointment of Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman to become a Supreme Court justice. The Cold War was alive and well, with tensions between the U.S. and the Soviet Union consistently on the minds of the American people. In New York, the Broadway community saw its own crisis and tragedy, referred to by some as the Great Theater Massacre of 1982. To make room for what is now known as the Marriott Marquis, including its theater, in an attempt to renovate the Times Square area, an agreement between the Broadway League and then-NYC Mayor Ed Koch led to the destruction of five Broadway houses, known as the Fallen Five. The Morosco, the Helen Hayes, which was originally called the Fulton, the Bijou, the Victoria, originally known as the Gaiety, and the Aster. The order was opposed and protested by members of the theater industry, including the public's Joe Papp, Colleen Dewhurst, Estelle Parsons, Treat Williams, Richard Gere, and Susan Sarandon, and, as seen in the telecast, was very actively traumatizing to the community at large. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-ch- 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a weird one. Yeah. This is a weird. It's so weird. It is so weird. I mean, knowing um, the context, I get why it's so weird now, but it's very jarring how weird it is. And thinking back to what we were just telling listeners. Uh-huh. 36. This is the 36th annual Tony Awards. I think now right? when we watch when we watch Tony Awards 30, 40 years later, uh-huh. it's like, oh, this is a thing that has so much history and we are yeah. expecting it to fit into a norm. 36th is still pretty young. Absolutely. They're still playing with the form. Or yeah. maybe if they're not playing with the form, the form is different than it is now because it's Almost it's twice new. as old now. Yeah, because yeah. it's yeah. I like when we watch the Tonys now. It's very like high number Tony Awards. Whereas, yeah, right? Like, which I just gloss over, and I'm like, oh, what number are we on? Cool. But like, thirty sixth is like a real number that is not high. Where you're still making room to make it the thing that it wants to become. Yeah, it's still figuring out its own. Identity? Is that the right word to use? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. It's coming out. It's coming out in its 30s. Um, <laughs> and so because we're early in its life, we're seeing this very, to me, strange. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So before we talk about what makes it so strange, how's that for a cliffhanger? Let's pour let's pour one out for the non-nominated musicals. And there were a lot of yeah. non-nominated musicals. So there were four non-nominated high-profile revivals. Okay. Fiddler on the Roof at Lincoln Center, Camelot wow. at the Winter Garden, Little Me at the Eugene O'Neill, and Little Johnny Jones, which is a George M. Cohen show at the Alvin Theater. Wow. Do you know, were they still running during Tony's time? or You know, I don't, I don't know if they were still running. I do know that Little Me, the two lead performers were nominated for best actor and best supporting actor okay victor garber being the nominee for best actor yeah and i can tell you that little johnny jones at the alvin was not running because it ran for one performance wow the alvin did not do well that season um in terms of new musicals we had the supporting cast at the biltmore it was a five-person show uh, that ran 36 performances okay marlowe at the rialto okay it ran for 48 performances Lisa Mordente was nominated for Best Actress. That's Cheetah Rivera's daughter. Wow, that's awesome. And sort of most interesting for me, Marlowe was at the Rialto, mm-hmm. which was a Broadway theater on the corner of 42nd Street and Broadway. Not one of these Fallen Five, a yeah. different Broadway theater, which was not torn down, but converted into an adult movie house and then torn down in 2002. This is where the chase sign is now, where you see the like, oh, unfortunate, yeah. like wow. Kevin Hart or Property Brothers yeah. video above the Steve Madden shoes. That used to be a Broadway theater also. Man. They all used to be Broadway theaters. Everything wow. used to be a Broadway theater. All right. What surprised me most was that Merrily We Roll Along was this season. That's amazing to me. I did not put that together that this was that season. I didn't realize that we were going to see nothing from Merrily, from Merrily We Roll, we roll along. along. Sure, we know what's a flop but it's also a sondheim flop so i thought it'd be I mean, nominated for something i mean but i but again like we say that because we're looking at it as history like those were real-time events and they were just like 
this sucked. No, nothing. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah. Also not nominated that season was the first at the Martin Beck, which was starring David Allen Greer as Jackie Robinson. He was nominated as well. 27. Uh, is there life after high school at the Barrymore, which ran 12 performances? And Scott Bakula was <gasps> an understudy. Scott Bakula. Ugh, yeah, this is just going to be a Scott Bakula stand. Apparently, it's turning it. into that. Um, and the, the final non-nominee musical of the season was The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas at the Eugene O'Neill, which ran for 63 performances. This was a new show at this point. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I feel like that and Merrily We Roll Along definitely like withstood the flop status because we like, know more about them than Marlo. For sure. Okay. So let's get let's to the talk about this telecast. Let's get to the telecast. <laughs> okay. What do you think, Aaron? Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Here, let's just let's just go in. What was nice is we got our intro of the shows that were on Broadway this season, which is very cool. And okay, so then it's followed by not an opening number. No, no opening number. Instead, so Tony Randall, because I there was no like title card or like lower third where I was like, who is this? Should I know who this is? Who that? But he's in the audience role playing a critic, which which then continues for the entire, entire thing. I was like, I don't understand this premise. And can you imagine in 2020 if we did an entire Tony Award ceremony where someone was playing Ben Brantley? <laughs> so, like, not even ver- Ben Brantley, like just nondescript critic that gets to read all critics' reviews as if they wrote it. It was such a strange, I mean, from where we sit, like it's just strange not to have an opening number. Yeah. And then it's like doubly strange that this is like not even like Angela Lansbury with dancers miming and butterfly. Yeah. This is like one step less exciting than that. If 1991 was the year of the musical actor, is this the year of the critic? Like... <laughs> the year of the critic. Oh my God. It's so weird. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This was a hollowed evening. You can barely hear anyone talking in the audience, even though you hear a lot of coughing. Mm -hmm. I think now the tagline for the Tony Awards is Broadway's biggest night. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And this was, Tony Randall calls it the annual theatrical rite of spring. There's something that's just like more stately about the thing. Sure. Yeah. And he says, we will be seeing the four musicals nominated as the theater season's best. 
and we will also be reminiscing about the glorious theater we are sitting in, the Imperial on 45th Street. And man, that is true. Absolutely. It was... I almost feel like this was like a campaign to like prove how valuable the Imperial and therefore all Broadway theaters are to save. Let's let our audiences in on on the secret here. Okay, let's go. The two-hour telecast features a 31-minute medley celebrating the Imperial Theater Uh called the Imperial Medley. Fully one-fourth of the telecast is one medley. It's like a full musical theater history lesson. It is a show. It is a show. It is a full review of the Imperial Theater, like the life and times of the Imperial Theater. Okay. Tony Randall sits in a chair, a la Drowsy Chaperone's man in chair. It feels very much like that. He's playing this critic- Every critic. With his giant Bible book. (laughs) And he reads reviews in between performances of songs from musicals that played the Imperial since its opening in 1923. Uh Uh-huh. Starting with Rosemary, everyone's favorite, (laughs) where we see a dozen Mounties, Robert Goulet and Lucy Arnaz. Yes. Okay. This is where it gets crazy to me. Okay. So you're like, oh, wow, that's a full song of Rosemary. Yeah. Great. But then okay gets three songs and six minutes of screen time yeah this is a medley yes. where one show gets three songs and six minutes of screen time mm-hmm. leslie uggins singing someone to watch over me which live perfect no qualms no notes so good yeah and then a song i think called do 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 and then clap your hands these are dance breaks there are dance fully breaks produced these songs there it's are a costumes. fully produced sequence in the world where i think oh if you're not a nominated musical you have to pay a quarter of a million dollars to perform on the tony awards mm-hmm. that's sort of like the the standard the rule of thumb i've heard yeah. right who paid for this uh, who paid for the costumes who paid for the rehearsals I mean, this is just massive. And, yes. And it's not selling a thing no. other than... Then keep theater then alive. Please don't, then please don't... Then please don't tear us down. Yes. And it, and it just speaks to how, like, it wasn't that long ago and yet a different time in our industry. For sure. Yeah. So, I like, the numbers were great. And we cut to commercial and I'm like, cool, that was nice. That was a great sequence about the Imperial. We come back from commercial... And it's still going. And I said, wait, we're not done yet? No, because Cher performs My Heart Belongs to Daddy, dressed in fur on an iceberg. Yes, she does. Um, There's a performance of a song called There's a Small Hotel from On Your Toes. It's Mm -hmm. a Rogers and Hart tune. Some very good dancing done by an unnamed pas de deux behind Rex Smith. Yes, absolutely. Then a second commercial. Which I was like, okay, now we have to be done. (laughs) This is, we've had, because in this span of like a sequence and a half between commercials, there has been no awards. There's been zero awards. Oh, don't worry, because then there's, after the second commercial, Ben Vereen performs by myself and then delivers the best choreography award. Which I was like, okay, cool. Now it's done. And then we go back to the medley (laughs) where we see songs from One Touch of Venus, Song of Norway, and then Three Irving Berlin songs uh-huh. from Miss Liberty, Annie Get Your Gun and Call Me Madam. And yes. there's no ending. Did you notice? Like, I was like waiting for someone to be like, and that's the end of the medley. None. Oh, because. 
It's not the end. <laughs> then there's another seven minute medley. About the Imperial. More medley later. Called the Capsule Medley, which I was like, okay, so now it's just like a summary medley? Ann Miller gives a tap dance led version of Just No Time At All, which then leads to like a sing-along where with Ann Miller as like the bouncy ball. Right. She's leading the audience at the Tony Awards through a sing-along of a song from Pippin, which originated at the Imperial. Oh. But it's the most stately reserved. You just tore down five of our theater audiences. Uh. You don't see the audience being joyous it's Mm -hmm. the most awkward moment it's deliciously awkward Uh and then we finally end the entire sequence with dream girls's performance at the tonys because they are the current resident of the imperial which we'll get to that talk in a second how did you feel about this imperial entire sequence? It was the most interesting and the absolute opposite of what I expect from a Tony Award ceremony, yeah. which is a two to three hour commercial for shows I should spend my money on. Yeah. This was like a PBS documentary. Yeah, it absolutely was. And we'll, and I, again, like knowing the context of it, I get it because this is a community in mourning. This is a community that's hurting and all they want and need is this like televised plea of please save us like the legacy (laughs) of what we do. Yeah. And everybody in it is wonderful. Oh, yeah. Lucy Arnaz, Robert Goulet, Leslie Uggams. Mm -hmm. So well done Mm -hmm. and so unlike anything we would see on the Tonys today. All right, let's talk about these numbers. What was the first nominated performance? The first nominated performance was Pump Boys and Dinettes. I Need a Vacation. Okay, firstly, do you know anything about Pump Boys and Dinettes? No. According to this Tony Award performance, it has two women who are playing waitresses, I think. I think so, Um, because it's a diner, right? Right. It's a young Deborah Monk and a young Cass Morgan. They have great voices. They do like a medley of three just fine songs. Like the first minute of which is acapella, which I was like, work. They sound great. This played the Princess Theater, which is another theater that no longer exists. If you wanted to know where the Princess Theater was, it is the back of the Renaissance Hotel on 48th Street. So basically, if you went to like the Olive Garden loading (laughs) dock. (laughs) <laughs> that is where that wow. is what we have now instead of the princess theater that is bleak what once held pump boys and dinettes now has unlimited breadsticks what i thought was like this is fine it is wild that this was a best musical went up against merrily we roll along yeah i mean merrily we roll along is a is a messy show at times but there's some good stuff in it right it's a it's a musical it is a, I mean, it is a story. Like goes... the re- the reverence we have for Merrily We Roll Along, especially watching uh, Best Worst Thing That Ever Happened, like they, more than anything, are like, yeah, everybody loves this show now. At the time that we put this on, no one liked us. <laughs> and and even, even that documentary like runs the narrative of like Hal Prince and Stephen Sondheim were almost like the two men on top of their mountain that ev- that the industry was rooting to fail at some point. Mm. so like this was the time so at so like looking back i'm like 
wow, this was up against this masterpiece of Merrily We Roll Along. Especially if, like, was Pump Boys and Dinette still open at this time? Yeah, Pump Boys and Dinette uh, ran for a few years. I okay, mean, you so, look at the show and you're like, that is a fine time. That is probably cheap to run. It's probably cheap to tour. And so, you know, with a cast of six actor musicians, I'm sure that it ran for as long as it possibly could. So there's like the one familiar thing that exists in this Tony Award season that's reminiscent of where we are now is that one was closed, one was open. Of course, that one's going to be nominated. Sure, sure. Yeah. Second performance. Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. My first lull about this was in a show with a 12-minute Mega Mix, they created a different Mega Mix. <laughs> Which I had the same thought, but then I was like, wait, I feel like the Mega Mix was the invention of the revival. I don't think it existed yet. I think you're totally right. So, so this was like, this is like a prototype of the Joseph Megamix, basically, because they basically took you through like a verse and a chorus of half the songs of the show. Yeah. yeah literally the whole thing. Do you like Joseph Aaron Albano? I like it now. I definitely went through my like wave of I'm 11. I don't know of any better. I'm now a high school student to my college student be like, this is garbage. And now I, I've come around to be like, this is a campy mess. And I love every second of it, especially when you have a belting narrator like Lori Beachman. <laughs> right. Lori Beachman is the belting narrator that started all belting narrators. Correct. She was Alphaba before Alphaba. Like, like Fez with the tassel, those big eyes with the big eyelashes and just like Charlie Brown mouth headbacks <laughs> giving you like and it's glorious I, she was my she was my favorite part of this whole performance this felt like the best theater works tour you could ever see in 100 percent, absolutely right? so it was like the best student matinee you've ever seen uh-huh and yet like not a broadway show by what we would call a broadway show today of course not i mean it was fine it was cute it was it, cu- it, like it was Nary a BIPOC actor in sight. Oh my gosh. The most blonde Joseph. Like the most blonde Middle Eastern man in the universe. (laughs) Yes. Which I was like, wow, this is 1982. Here we go. Dream girls. Dream Dream girls. Clutch your pearls, Aaron, and tell us about this performance of It's All Over and I Am Telling You from Dream Girls. Well, talk about an iconic performance from every Musical Mondays because I'm familiar with this from every last call because that's how we knew it was time to go home. <laughs> so this is the last this is the last video they would play yeah. at Musical Mondays. Okay. In its All entirety. Right. In its dun, like dun, dun. <laughs> uh-huh. So we have Dream Girls performing It's All Over and I'm telling you in their theater as we stated before this is their theater they live at the Imperial. And so we get all of the context leading from It's All Over into I'm telling you into the end of act one which is what like a nine minute it is so long to watch a musical sequence and it just lands it's so riveting it's so good it's so it's full transparency this is the first time i've ever seen it sober a stone cold sober (laughs) b like not in a gay bar where all the queens are singing along and riveted just so like it's it's the only like talk about like this hallowed evening 
This is the number where the audience goes wild. And not only do they go wild at the end, we get a mid-number ovation at the last chorus where everybody goes wild. What I've always known this performance for is Mm -hmm. Jennifer Holliday's vocals, right? Okay. That's like the musical Monday side of this, right? Like, Sure, yes. She is singing a great musical theater song in a great way that she brought into the world. Yes. Right? Yes. And that is all very true. Mm -hmm. And this is a very well-written musical theater sequence. Yeah. Yes. With one had just won their Tony, two more people are going to win their Tony who are seeing in this performance. And Jennifer Holliday is acting for you. This is not just like a park and bark. She is taking you on a journey. Yes. Well, I mean, and, and what's brilliant is that like, because we got the entire sequence... If they had just done And I'm Telling You, it would have been about her vocals. Mm -hmm. Because we got the moment before, that's when we got a scene. Even if you haven't seen the show, you got her journey into this number and you want... It's so compelling. It's, It's what we talked about with Alice Ripley in the Next Normal performance, but like time seven. And the show comes off like real theater. Like a, yeah. like a real good musical that yeah. doesn't win best musical. <laughs> yes. Literally <laughs> shocked. Like after this performance, I'm like, so they won. So they won, right? And then they don't. Nine happens. Who does win? All right. So nine, they do be Italian. Um, It opens on a tableau of the full female cast in all white. It's very Who are beautiful. beautiful. And then... Uh, there is a performance by one of the women of nine that <laughs> sings Be Italian with uh-huh. four boys giving you core strength and choreographed reactions. And just I mean, this is crawling with their knee pads. This is the most Will Rogers Follies version of an Italian story you've ever seen in your entire <laughs> life. Tommy Toon. Like, you gotta Mr. get a gimmick, I guess. <laughs> Mr. Americana giving uh-huh. you like nothing Italian and just like a Broadway spectacle. It's a tambourine number. Like, yeah. It's yeah. so funny to see, oh, nine years later, you're going to win choreography. For another tambourine number. I guess what this is teaching us is that the American theater wing loves a tambourine. Loves a prop. Loves, yeah. But at the same time, like, I dug the tambourine because you have this, like, sultry woman singing Be Italian. And then we get the dance break, quote unquote, with the tambourine. Yeah, where they sit and play a tambourine. Which, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. And it, then is, it, like, it is fully the Will Rogers folly. <laughs> yes. I thought it was, again, I thought it was fine. Based on these performances, should it have beaten Dreamgirls? I would have been like, wait, what? When Nine's name came out of the envelope. But nah. Nah for two reasons. Okay. Mr. Albano. Go. One is white cis men rule the American theater. Yes. And so this show that was created by and for the white cis men to watch yeah. all of the beautiful, all of the beautiful, white ladies beautiful white women on stage. Yes, that's fair. Is going to win. Mm-hmm. And then, perhaps less cynically, what a sad time. What a sad time to be a part of our industry. And you can watch this show about a woman that basically gets, like, goes into her own emotional spiral because people abandon her. And, <laughs> or you watch this sort of Italian fantasy full of beautiful women in white costumes. And like, one cis white man gets to, like, Sleep with all of them. Fair. Got it. 
There we are. We, figure, <laughs> we figured it out. America. So let's get to our Yelp review. <laughs> Time for the Yelp review. Which performance made the show look better than it was? Lori Beachman. Just Lori Beachman. Lori Beachman, much like the Patti LuPone performance. <laughs> sure. Lori Beach, the Lori Beachman performance made Joseph look better than it was. Those pipes don't quit. What about you? I mean, this was like an imperial medley that also had some awards in it in for me so, yes yes absolutely so what performance made the show look better than it was uh probably leslie uggams coming out and singing like 16 bars of every time she came out and same 16 <laughs> bars because every time she came out i was like honestly that show yeah which performance made you want to buy a ticket where would you spend 140 of your hard-earned dollars or probably more like 25 at this time uh laurie beachman the musical like again you're just going to see laurie beachman at 54 below i will see laurie beachman at the laurie beachman theater (laughs) hosted by ben cameron like (laughs) mm -hmm. Mm. how about you okay sure i'll come with you but i also will spend my hard-earned money to see dream girls that truthfully that's my real answer but yes what speech moved you the most, Mo? You know, for as much dogging as I'm doing on Tommy Toon, like, I did like his speech for Best Director. He was short, mm. sweet, gracious. He starts with a little tap dance. He ends with a gesture to the audience where he's like, thank all of you. And you're like, I honestly believe that he thanks all of the people in this room right now. Mm-hmm. You? I loved all the Dream Girl speeches. It started with Michael Bennett and Michael Peters. Michael Peters leaped onto the stage. And this is Michael Peter. This is this is Michael Jackson's choreographer that just won a Tony. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Michael Peters is like, in the Beat It video, he's the guy in white. Like, forget about it. And then Ben Harney's is beautiful. Cleavant Derrick's is beautiful. Jennifer Holliday's is like the most sincere and most genuine I have ever seen. All They're just all so grateful. It's beautiful and there's something really rewarding as a viewer of the tony awards to see a great performance and then someone win for that great for that performance yeah like and when it lines up it really lines up like when james monroe iglehart does all the friend like me you know why he won his tony right same thing with with jennifer holiday which yeah biggest surprise win i would have told you that raul julia won for nine if you if you told me who won best actor in 1982 before i watched this Mm -hmm. so to see that he didn't win um and that ben harney won for dream girls i was like oh cool Mm -hmm. well there's some revisionist history i made up in my mind (laughs) see and i think i think i i said the same i knew that ben harney won but i'm realizing that this is a trend in these recaps where i'm like shocked by the solidness of some of these categories Mm -hmm. where i'm just like in a category of raul julia victor garber and herschel bernardi who played tevia in fiddler on the roof the fact that he played tevia means he's got some game spoiler alert tevia is a big role (laughs) yeah and so like in a category with all three of those heavy hitters it wasn't a surprise because i because i knew ben harney won but it was still a surprise amidst that group would you recommend watching the 1982 Tony Awards, Aaron Albano? No. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, like, literally every time we came back from a commercial and Tony Randall was sitting on that fucking chair. 
to tell us more about the Imperial cerebrally, knowing what was happening, I'm living. Watching and viscerally, I'm like, God damn it, can this be done already? Sure. In a world where this is up against Great British Bake Off, I would not watch this. In a world where this is like something you watch in a musical theater class that you're taking remotely at like Harvard University because you can take remote classes at Harvard during a pandemic, 100%. (laughs) I would say I'd watch it for the Dreamgirls performance alone, but I could also just watch Watch the the Dreamgirls performance alone. With or without a drink. Uh Uh-huh. So at the end of each episode, Aaron and I randomly select another Tony telecast to watch. We have the following week, like you do, to research the season as a whole, and then we bring our most surprising findings. Well, we'll research the season. You'll just watch it and then listen to us. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys could... You can research all you want. You Send want. us your findings. Um, <clears throat> so let's select our seventh Tony telecast. I have put a handful of infamous Tony seasons on pieces of paper in this basket and I will now randomly select one to explore for next week's episode. Wow, there's not many left. Our next Tony telecast we are watching is from 2004. 2004. 2004, the infamous Wicked V Avenue Q. That's what we're watching next. Here we go. Hugh Jackman's first, I think. Man, you know a lot about this. I like, this was this was my first season on Broadway. Of course, I know wow. a lot about this year in my non-nominated musical. Can't wait to cheers <laughs> it next week. <laughs> <laughs> to join us for our next Tony's recap, be sure to do your homework with us on the 2004 Tony Awards. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano, and me, Mo Brady. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And the second is by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash The Ensemblist. Please follow The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.